Slip your headphones on. I'll be your radio. And if you turn me on, how would you ever know? Welcome, Outcasts. Welcome back to Requiem of the Outcasts. This is episode six of the seventh season. 0706. Exactly. We're getting very close to 0707. We should probably do something special. Probably won't, but probably should. Well, we need to figure out some way to do 070707 because that's like a jackpot or something, right? That's time travel, and I think uh, Hutch had that gimmick, so. Mm. Well, we could just wait to... I don't know. But I like the jackpot gimmick. I think we should do something like that. Maybe uh, Vegas gambling magicians, perhaps. Okay. The old one-armed bandits, slot machines. We'll figure something out for you guys for next month. We don't have anything big coming up next month, do we? Balticon. Oh, Balticon. That's right. Memorial Day weekend. That's right. What weekend is that? The three-day one. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's at the end of the month. Oh, is it at the end? Yes. Okay, that's what I was going for. The end of the month. So, oh man, that means we're actually gonna have to be like on the ball and do roto, not like <laughs> two days before we're supposed to release it. Or we could just do a live show at Balticon. Hmm. We could. It'll all be talky talky instead of uh, sketchy sketch like we've been doing. Could be. And we may do that. We we may do something like that. See if we get some of the, the names that are around there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have no idea who's going to be there. People. I don't, people. Some very big people. Some very good friends of ours. People, uh, contributors to the show and whatnot. So I think mm-hmm. that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, you know, maybe we'll do something like that. And certainly we won't have to worry about doing any actual work for the episode, which will be nice. But, yeah, we'll see if we can't uh, slap some folks together for a little fun talk about uh, what – about whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the hell we we think of. Hopefully, we can get them uh, without having to slap them. But you know, hey, if that's what it takes. Well, I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying it shouldn't be Plan A. In fairness, we've done a lot of voice work for a lot of people. I think it's time we start calling in some favors. I was going to say calling in chips because the of the gambling. Oh, the gamble. Oh, very nice. See, yeah. bring uh-huh. it full circle. Uh-huh. I like it. I like it. Of course, let me walk the listener around the room. I myself, I am podcasting's Rich Sigfret. And with me directly across the table, that lovely, sultry voice you've been hearing. Aye. <laughs> Not so much that one, but the one before that was Christiana Ellis. Hello. Always a woman of many warts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a woman of, I thought she said a woman of many warts. What? Why would I? Why would I say that? That's why I laughed. <laughs> I, I was like, "What?" I'm a gentleman. I would not mention anything about your giant hideous warts. The one on the on your nose that makes you look like the witch from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I actually had it reduced already. This is as small as they could get it. <laughs> you, you know, I think that's about the only thing. Uh, I, I'm waiting for the moment where uh, was it Stephanie Pratt? I don't know the chick from the hills. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, one of the parts of Spidey, Heidi, uh, Heidi Pratt. Now Heidi, whatever Spencer's last name is, she got like 27 plastic surgeries or 10 plastic surgeries or something like that all in one day to make herself look, you know, typical Hollywood vanilla whore pretty. And I I can imagine that at some point in time, she's going to blame her lack of getting roles, not on talent or lack thereof, Mm -hmm. but because she looks too perfect. So she's going to have some warts or something surgically placed on her to seem more realistic. 
That's very uh, logical. I suspect that you're going to be exactly right. Which actually kind of frightens me, to be honest. But that's one of the problems with reality show Mm -hmm. people. They're on these shows that are supposed to be reality. Most of them think it's reality. And it's not. It's this weird warped reality that is planned out by producers and Mm -hmm. uh, script writers and story editors. And then, of course, when it comes into the editing room – that's when this reality is crafted. You know, that doesn't make it bad necessarily. Now, admittedly, there is a lot of bad reality shows out there, but I am a huge fan of some of them, including, for example, Survivor. I actually do a whole podcast about it. Yeah, sure. You do that with uh, Mike Maitland, right? Mateen. Mateen. Yes. Oh, so you guys fired Mike Maitland? Yeah, pretty you know much. What it was, to cut the dead weight. Out. Yeah. Now oh, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But, but so anyway, talking about Survivor, yeah. And so it's interesting, actually, because we've been getting a lot more attention with this last season. I mean, it's a big season for Survivor. and we've no, That's getting... the heroes versus villains, right? Yes, that's right. So it's an, it's an all-star season. So what but... do you have? You have a Spider-Man, you have an, a Dr. Octopus, uh, maybe a Yeah, a you know, Doom. so, I mean, some of the choices are a little bit controversial because, like, you have Catwoman, mm-hmm. and they put her on the heroes tribe, which is a little bit like... Mm. You know, yeah, she does good sometimes, but she's still a criminal, you know? So how do you really... True. It depends on if you have Batman, Mm because I think that he would be really whiny. Yeah. They're just constantly talking about his parents being dead and trying to get sympathy off that. He's a downer. I mean, he just, he sucks the energy out of the... Well, and then the conflict with him and Catwoman, because he is the one that has used her help so often and then turned around and tried to put her in prison. Mm -hmm. So I imagine there'd be some really good drama there. Yeah. Well, so anyway, though, as a result of the podcast, like I said, we've been getting a little bit more attention. I was actually given the opportunity to see some screener DVDs. That's fantastic. Yeah, some of the upcoming reality programming. The network, we'll see, what was the network? BSN. I don't know. What do you say? You want to watch some of these? Not going to lie to you. Reality shows, don't like them. Okay. The only reality shows that I've ever actually dug was WWE's Tough Enough because it kind of showed how much work actually goes into pro wrestling. Mm. And I have recently got into Kitchen Nightmares, which I am a huge fan of. Uh, Gordon Ramsay I find hilarious. It's it's uh, amazing to see the amount of work that he goes into and how mm-hmm. much he does to help people out and how hosed a lot of people end up letting their business go because they don't know any better mm-hmm. or they were afraid to face up to what they needed to. You know, I actually did a shallow thought about Gordon Ramsay. I was speculating as to is he that mean in his everyday life or does that just feel like work? And so mm. he's nice to people just for a change of pace. <laughs> I, I do remember that episode because that, that was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, look, Christiana knows who this Gordon Ramsay guy is. Maybe I should give it a shot. And mm. and uh, and of course, Susan, she she she's an amazing chef, and she loves watching uh, those kinds of shows. And so I've, I've kind of gotten hooked on on Gordon Ramsay. But I am not a fan of reality shows. I, I find them ridiculous. I find them completely overwritten and produced and. Frankly, very annoying. However, however, for the sake of conversation, of of argument, and because I trust your judgment so well, that as if you, if you as, I sh- as everyone should really, mm-hmm. uh, if they know it's good for them, I will give them a shot. Okay. These uh, BSN, you said? Yeah. Well, and a lot of these are just like previews and stuff like that. I think there's- Oh, okay. There's, there's one full episode. I think we've got- 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure what else on there. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I think they're a just, lot of it's commercials and previews and stuff. Okay, so they're just truncated episodes, yeah, it, it's specifically like preview for screeners. Of their upcoming lineup, you know, the fall lineup sort of. Oh, thing. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember. I I actually used to get those for, uh, through. I think Entertainment Weekly. They would have like CBS, right? right yeah. mm-hmm. And I've actually got some really good obscure pilots that never even made it to the air because I think that they just were crapped on so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a couple of those left. So that's cool. I haven't seen one of those. And and yes, for for the interest of possibly changing my mind, I will sit through some reality television show. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. We'll find out. All right, then. Reality Television. And now, a special preview of a new series here on BSN. Miro Remoulade was raised in the bayou and has spent his life around amphibians. Now, he runs his own Swampland Wildlife Rescue Center, where he rehabilitates wounded or troubled creatures, as well as helping others to truly understand their hoppy little friends. He is... The Frog Whisperer. I am on my way now to meet with a young woman who says that the frog is depressed. So we'll see if we can't help her put a little more bounce in his hop. He's great most of the time. Very well behaved. We treat him just like one of the family. And we just love him to pieces. But he seems so sad and withdrawn lately. Alright. Let me just stop you right there. You say... You treat them like you just wanted a family. But frogs are not like people. They have their own special needs. Even though you might feel like treating him like a person is the thing to do, all it really does is drive home to him that he's different. When he looks in the mirror, he is not the same color as you. He's green. That is not easy. And sometimes the cases are heartbreaking. Nero... We don't know what to do. Our little froggy says that he feels like a prince in a frog's body. We want to be supportive, but now he just spends all his time on Craigslist, trying to find a princess to kiss, and it just doesn't seem healthy. Oh, this is tough. It would be easy to blame this sort of thing on fairy tales and the media, but the research does seem to show that there's more going on there biologically in their brains that makes them feel this way does he have many friends who are frogs uh, no not really he always just bonded more with humans I'm going to give you the number here for a local frog prince support group and maybe there he can meet a few other frogs going through the same thing but the most important thing for you to do mom and dad is make sure that he knows that you love him no matter what. And sometimes the cases are just crazy. I'm telling you, my frog can sing. Opera, show tunes, you name it, he's great, but nobody believes me because he'll only do it when we're alone. Yeah, they'll do that sometimes. The Frog Whisperer, coming this fall to BSN. What 
happens when a group of celebrities are thrown together to try and solve real murders? Will they crack the case or will their personalities get in the way? It's Celebrity Detective with Joan Rivers, Frankie Muniz, Tanya Harding, Dr. Stephen Hawking, Polly Shore, and Jim Sim Kim Shim. Previously on Celebrity Detective, the bodies are piling up now with murder number three still unsolved. Polly collects some samples of evidence to send to the crime lab while Frankie and Tanya interview the witnesses. But Jim has a theory. With this third body showing the same cause of death, the posing of the body in the hokey-pokey right-foot-in position, the ligature marks on the pinky finger, the feathers, I think it's clear that we're dealing with the serial killer. Oh no, buddy. Do you think my Cocoa Puffs would be okay? Not that kind of cereal, sweetheart. It means someone compelled to carry out the same ritual over and over, like my plastic surgeries. Really, Joan? A plastic surgery joke? Come on, Jim. What do you think they cast me for? It's in my contract. That reminds me. Why did they cast you again? Because I've never- Hey, Dudinskis, check out this evidence I found. This Cheeto totally looks like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Not now, Polly. I'm in the middle of... Oh, wow. That does look like Abraham Lincoln. I know, right? I'm sending this to Robocop in the crime lab. So, Jim, if it's a serial killer, do you think we should warn people? I mean, what if he strikes again? Well, Joan, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Or like, a matter of what? Or why? No, it's a matter of when, you idiots. I was trying to make a dramatic statement to end the scene on. I took off my sunglasses and everything. But like, it could be a matter of who? Like, who were you, dude? Were you in a TV movie or something? Were you? Wow, man. Like, touche. Touche indeed. We'll return to Celebrity Detective right after this. Each week, from across America, two people are chosen. This week, Daphne Pollens, a C-list celebrity from Hollywood. She spends $2,000 a week on tests to remove the evil thetans that swarm through her body. Each week, hoping it will bring her closer to the highest OT level. And Ezekiel Albrecht a humble man who resides over his family's farm in Pennsylvania. His faith has taught him to shun all things modern, for they are of the devil. Each person is about to get a new lifestyle. They'll trade jobs, experiences, and beliefs. They'll swap lives for two weeks. A cow? You want me to do what to a cow? Boy. There are so many things around here that are plugged in. I don't know how comfortable I am here. Excuse me, what time is my facial? Oh lord, I see that I'll be having to wake up an extra hour earlier just to pray for all of you. Real people. I don't understand. Are you saying the merciful lord is an alien from outer space? 
real drama. I will not wear this simple black dress. And you can't expect these gorgeous locks to go under a bonnet. Real lives. Lord, grant me the strength. Somebody yell cut on my life, please! Faith Swap on BSN. And now back to Celebrity Detective. We join Frankie Muniz and Tanya Harding as they interview witnesses of the latest murder. So you found the body, is that right? Oh, I just loved Agent Cody Banks. Oh, here we go. You hush now, Tanya Harding. I don't approve of you. This again? I'm more than just a conspiracy to commit assault in order to advance my figure skating career, you know. Not that, you whiny bimbo. That bleach blonde, too much eye makeup look went out with mullets. Read a Cosmo dated after 1987, will ya? <laughs> that was awesome. Burn! Shut up, Muniz. Ow! My thigh! A few inches above my right knee! So, Miss Lewis, you found the body? Don't hit him. He's like a little puppy dog. Answer the question, ma'am. You found the body? Yes, I did. It was awful. I was walking my dog in the park, and there it was in the gazebo. <laughs> oh, the feathers were everywhere. Did you see anyone suspicious nearby? Oh, you're so cute. You sound just like you did on that Malcolm show. <laughs> Thanks. But we're trying to solve a murder here. Did you see anybody? Well, let me think. There was that shifty homeless man that smells like mustard. What kind of mustard? Tanya, is that really important? Shut up, Muniz. Ow! My thigh! A few inches above my left knee! That's it! I'm not talking to you anymore! What? No! Can I start over? My boot was unlaced! We'll be back with more Celebrity Detective after this. Coming soon on BSN, an all-new season of Animals Got Talent. The amazing competition where you get to vote for your favorite talented animal. Animals from all four corners of the earth have come to strut their stuff for your approval. So will it be the canine opera singer? The trapeze swinging elephant? Or the tap-dancing octopus. Your votes decide, because they are all here to prove that... Animals, animals got, got talent. talent! We are BSN. We join Jim... Jim and Polly Shore while they bring their new evidence to Stephen Hawking in the crime lab. Hey, buddy. Solved the case yet? No. And I resent that you automatically assigned me to the crime lab. You are typecasting me as a scientist. Well, man, the murder scene didn't exactly have the wheelchair ramp. I could have used the jetpack. You have the jetpack? No. Bazinka. Listen, I'm sorry, Professor Hawking, but the truth is that, out of all of us, you really are the best qualified to do a scientific analysis of criminal evidence. True. But this is not criminal evidence. It is a handful of feathers in a plastic grocery bag, a splinter of wood stuck to a piece of duct tape, 
And it's Cito that looks like Abraham Lincoln. Doesn't it? I mean, that's got to mean something, right? Come on, Stephen. Surely you've come up with something. What about that autopsy results? Have you determined a cause of death? Damn it, Jim. I am a physicist, not a doctor. Well, technically, I am a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. Also, I fell asleep during the abdominal organ examinations. You fell asleep? Yes. I was hungover after staying up all night getting my drink on at a strip club. Dude, I am not falling for the Basinga again. No, really. Look closely at my suit. There is still stripper glitter on my slacks. Well, in that case, why didn't you bring the whistle along? Polly, do you really need me to answer that question? No. You guys, sometimes I think I'm the only one here actually interested in solving this case. Yes, I am just interested in cashing that fat check. These wheelchair rims don't buy themselves, yo. Sweet man, those things are pimp. Give the Wisa a high five! I do not have sufficient motor control to move my arm. But even if I could, no. Oh yeah, man. Well, I think I'll just do it anyway. Not like you can stop me. No, no. Get away from me. I'm gonna do it, bro. Time for high fiving! No, you will tip over my... My god, I think you've broken my spine. I can't move my legs. Oh, whoa, man, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, like, high-five you, man. Bazinga. And the conclusion of Celebrity Detective coming up after this. What's your price to key a stranger's car? One hundred dollars. Ninety. I'll do it for twenty-three bucks. Watch your price to punch this old lady in the face. Twenty-two hundred. Eighteen hundred dollars. I'll do it for twenty-three bucks. We've got a man backstage right now. What's your price to forcibly extract one of his molars with no anesthetic? Our contestants pick their price as they race to the lowest bid, and then they have to deliver. Okay, Tom, you won the bid with $23, and you've signed the contract. So it's the victim's molar or yours. So let's meet our victim. Dad? Dirty Deeds on BSN. And now, back to Celebrity Detective. We join Jim as he gathers the celebrities to present his theory on the case. So, Jim, have you solved the case? Just a second, Frankie. Let me get all of you strapped in first. What show were you on again? Okay, there. Everyone nice and secure? Yes. Dude, perfect ten. Malcolm's in the middle. I don't see why you needed to strap me in. For that matter, why do you need to strap any of us in? I'm glad you asked, Dr. Hawking. Because I know who the killer is. For I am the killer. <laughs> Duh. What? That's crazy talk. Oh, man. And I shared my cheetos with you. I knew it. I knew it all along, but I was just waiting for the opportune moment to reveal it. That might have been before he tied you to a chair. Shut up, Hawking. 
Oh, it all makes sense now. I knew I didn't know you from anywhere. You're not a celebrity at all. I'm a minor internet celebrity. I have a pretty successful podcast. Oh, yeah, whatever. Lame? Is that like fishing for doopies? The point is, you tricked us into thinking you were another celebrity like us. Ah, but don't you see? All of this has been to a specific end. I may not be a celebrity now, but just think how famous I'll be after I kill all of you on national television. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, hey, cameraman, little help here. Don't Ow. talk to the cameraman, Munez. You know they're contractually obligated not to interfere. Um, but not even if we're, you're gonna, like, kill us and stuff? Especially not then. Do you know what this will do for their ratings? For your careers? Your names will be in every newspaper, magazine, blogs, tweets, entertainment tonight. I will be dead. And trust me, man, people thinking you're dead doesn't really do so much for your career as you'd like. Well, okay, you've got me there. I'll be honest, I'm not really doing it for you. So I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince you. Soon, the whole world will understand my message. Oh, darling, what message is that? Don't you see? The feathers represented the freedom of the individual, while the hokey-pokey position shows the rigid conformity that is imposed on us in the name of the mindless media that calls itself entertainment. This is art. And uh, why do we need to be dead? I don't know. You can't really overthink these things. Well, you forgot one thing. Oh, yeah? What's that? Now that we have discovered the identity of the killer, the show is over. The credits will be rolling any second now, and next episode we will be on a new case. What? No! No, that can't be! Oh, no! Not the ending music! Bazinga. No! I need more time! Jeez, man, that's pretty tacky. Whining just because things didn't go your way? And that's it for this episode of Celebrity Detective. Next week, the celebrities find a body hidden under the craft services table. And they keep eating anyway. Headquartered in Stamford, Connecticut, O'Banion's Textiles is a $14 billion business. Its three basic tenets are customer service, quality, and pride. And running the show is Charlene O'Banion. Her father rose through the ranks of the local textile company, starting in the mailroom. That's where we begin today. Mrs. O'Banion wants to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs. She's hand-selected one man from the mailroom, the same place her father came from, and put him on the fast track. Wayne Felterman will go from drinking day-old coffee in the break room to sipping champagne on the 50th floor. We'll see how one low-level employee integrates into the corporate lifestyle on Executive Decision. Tragedy strikes in a sleepy town. A child is missing, run away from home. We offer the parents a choice. Sit at home and worry about their missing child, or appear on Project Runaway. Our crack team of detectives search for the missing son or daughter, 
After three weeks, the parents have the option of getting their kid back or keeping the stand-in orphan that we provide. So far, 15 parents have asked for the return of their children, but four parents keep the new one, leaving their blood-borne child in our care to be used on a later episode of Project Runaway. Coming soon to BSN. Welcome back to Executive Decision. Four weeks ago, we plucked Wayne Felterman from obscurity. He had been toiling away in my company's mailroom for three years. To be honest, I'd never heard of him. But on the anniversary of my father's passing, I remembered where he came from, the hard work he had put in, and I was thankful of his rise through the corporate ladder. It's granted me wealth, security, and joy. I granted Wayne all of the corporate privileges and responsibilities of a vice president. What will happen to someone who has never experienced it? Let's find out. It seems he recently called one of our troubled employees into his office. I think we should listen in. I understand you used to have some problems a while back. Drinking, was it? Ooh, nasty problem, let me tell you. But I have an idea. I am choosing you to be my personal envoy, my ambassador to the rest of the corporation. You beat alcoholism, and as a reward, I'm promoting you. I want you to travel to all of our satellite offices and factories, telling everyone about your story. Tell them about how you conquered the booze and regained your life, your family. Can you do that for me? Excellent. Well now, that's a surprising turn of events. That's a really good idea. I know that Manny struggled with alcohol addiction for years. He'll be a tremendous ambassador. I hope that the travel won't cause any strain on his marriage now that they're back together, or the temptation of being on the road. Hmm. Maybe that wasn't such a great idea after all. When we return, we'll see how Wayne interacts with a problem employee. We're pairing a ridiculously attractive girl who wouldn't be caught within 100 feet of a nerd unless her MySpace crashed with a helpless dork. She doesn't want to date any of these losers, but she'll string them along to make sure she gets her DVR programmed. We have seven single geeks. Here's Steven. He likes D&D, Hot Pockets, and Chat Roulette. This here is John. He enjoys video games, Twitter, and brushing his teeth. And this is Pete. He has never kissed a girl, lives in his parents' basement, and enjoys podcasting. And we've got four other nerds just waiting to touch their first breast on BSN's Snow White and the Seven Dorks. One of Wayne's new responsibilities is having to discipline employees. The employee refused to appear on camera, but Wayne is mic'd so we'll be able to hear how he handles this tough situation. The fuck have you been doing, man? I mean, come on. You can't say stuff like that to the ladies. That is just not right. No, no. I don't care if you think they were asking for it. You can't say that you're going to fuck them or... or and definitely not that you want to put your f in their f then turn it sideways and, and f their f like it's only been fucked once. Okay? Well, look, 
I, I read your file. You've been taken to task about this twice already. You know what? You know what? I'm a baseball fan. You like baseball? Well, that's your third strike. You're out. Now clean out your cubicle. You're done. Get out of my office and out of my building. I must say that he handled that very well. It looks like he's going to do okay. I may want to hire him on full-time. Wayne makes some decisions that aren't popular for one young lady when we return to Executive Decision. You never know what'll happen next when friends and family kidnap their loved ones for surprise surgeries. With the help of our gifted surgeons, our patients undergo secret medical procedures, and when they wake up, they attempt to guess what's been done for a chance to win fabulous prizes. Uh, let's see, um, it feels like, uh, liposuction on the stomach and thighs, uh, nose job, and, um, tummy tuck, um, more lipo? Did you, um, did you take my kidney? Honey. Honey, you got it. We have a pool table now. While you were out on BSN. Wayne has been forced to make some tough decisions, but one particular one will affect an employee in an unforeseen way. Wayne heard about a collection that was going around for a woman whose child had been diagnosed with leukemia. It was very sad. We'd given her the option of taking care of the hospital bills, but she wouldn't take the charity. So Wayne opted to discreetly give her a raise. The two of them were very happy until someone walking by overheard Nancy talking with her mother on the phone. Now the entire company knows, and no one is happy about it. Especially our shareholders. He didn't just give her a 10% raise. He gave her a 400% raise. She was already making a solid living. Now her entire department is up in arms, refusing to work unless they see the same raise. I know Wayne was just trying to help, but... By the way, have any of you seen him lately? With dissension rumbling through the company, Wayne Felterman, the cause of that trouble, has gone missing. Will he be found when we return to Executive Decision? Coming soon. From the creators of So You Think You Can Stop the Bleeding comes a brand new reality series. A group of volunteers wake up in a strange house and must navigate a maze of devious traps and deadly hazards to win their freedom. And you will vote for your favorites. Okay, Kevin, let's see whether the voters chose the Pit of Snakes or the Russian Roulette. And it's the Pit of Snakes! Death Trap. Tuesdays on BSN. With angry employees, Mrs. O'Banion is regretting her decision to bring Wayne Felterman to the corporate level. He's done what? That motherfucker! If I get my hands on him, I'm going to fk his fk till it runs dry! And there's nothing that we can legally do about this? Motherfucker, son of a bitch! Ah. <sighs>
Thanks. Call me back if you figure anything out. Turns out that that little son of a bitch gave that woman Nancy a 400% raise, retroactive for the last three years. They have had a secret relationship for the past year. And worse than that, he disappeared. Yeah, well, we found out where he went. Turned out, he liquidated 90% of the company's assets, sold what was left, and embezzled $7 billion. That destroyed me and my company, motherfucker. With a heavy heart, Mrs. O'Banion was forced to close the doors as the company's new owners outsourced all the work overseas. Nancy was able to collect a sizable amount of money thanks to Wayne and are rumored to be living in a non-extradition country in the tropics. Mrs. O'Banion now works for FedEx in their mail room. We have gathered the most skilled culinary artists from every dumpster, abandoned warehouse, and train depot. They are gathered in Kitchen Stadium to battle it out. It is time once again to answer life's most savory question. Whose cuisine reigns supreme? This is Boxcar Chef. The chairman welcomes Stew Builder Cromwell, Pumpkin Jones II, and Sausage Patty the Hungry. And now, let the games begin! But there is one more ingredient to this battle. Our secret ingredient. It is not just a single ingredient, but a location. The 7-Eleven on Hillshire and Franklin Street! Now, in the words of my uncle. A la cuisine! Our chefs run towards the ingredients, grabbing whatever they can stuff into their pockets. Their cooking stations are equipped with the finest equipment necessary for hobo cuisine. You'll notice that they've each been provided a 55-gallon drum graciously provided from Home Depot. Uh, once they've lit the newspapers in the barrels, they dump out their pockets. Uh, it looks like Pumpkin Jones II has placed small sticks in the Vienna sausages. Uh, he's placed a sewer grating over the flames, and it looks like he'll be making pigs in a poncho. Uh, now we'll jump over to see what Stew Builder Cromwell is working on. Looks like Stew Builder Cromwell is having a little trouble with the tab on the can of Spam. Uh, and there it goes. Uh, Cromwell is well known on the south side for his various soups, uh, using anything from an old shoe to a packet of duck sauce from the local Chinese restaurant. Uh, with the Spam broken into smaller chunks, it looks like he is going to be making some New England Spam Chowder, a delicacy amongst the street urchins of Boston. Sausage Patty is running around looking scared. She may not be able to handle the pressure of this stiff competition. Uh, no, I was wrong. She was actually tenderizing some processed beef jerky with her single boot. Uh, after scraping the pieces up and placing them on a plate, she's ripping the tops off of a pepper packet, then a salt packet, and now a mustard pack. Unless I'm mistaken, I believe she'll be preparing a favorite in Chicago, a Slim Jim a la Siciliana. We'll come back after this break to find out how they're faring under the pressure. Will our chefs be able to create appealing dishes based on these scavenged ingredients? Watch them battle for glory and fame on Boxcar Chef. Uh, wow, my final 
My final rating on reality shows. Yeah, I totally watch the crap out of these ones. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, what's so great about like actual reality anyway? Exactly. I like the one with the, the killers. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, Celebrity Detectives, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. That actually sounds pretty cool. I, I'm gonna have, we're going to have to find where this BSN is. Uh, it's probably deep cable, I would imagine. Probably past. Oh, yeah. You know, it's and, like it's in the, you know, the 300s somewhere. Okay. And what if they have high def? I would not want to see Joan Rivers in high def, though. Yeah, I think that. Or Polly Shore. Or Frankie Muniz. Tanya Harding? No, no, still wouldn't want to see. All right. Well, maybe not that show. Maybe that one I'll have to DVR on the regular channels. You know, you could always <clears> just squint. <laughs> just squint really hard. So Mess you with the settings on your TV. Oh, I like it. Maybe turn them different colors and stuff like that. Well, we learned for some frogs, it's not easy being green. That's true. So if we learned anything from I've, the frog I've heard whisperer. that, yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, come back next month, back to the schedule. So we will see you again on the first of the next month. Tune back into requiemoftheoutcast.com. And don't forget to listen over the credits at the end of the episode for ways that you can contact us. Give us feedback. We'll play it. Promos. Uh, whatever, we'll play it. We we love our fans, and we want you guys to be just as involved in the show as we are, because that means less work for us. Bazinga. <laughs> Hi guys, I just heard Return of the Outcast 0705. Are you telling me that even the very Blarney Stone itself was only a shamrock? Celebrity Detective, The Frog Whisperer, Animals Got Talent, Dirty Deeds, Death Trap, and While You Were Out were written by Christiana Ellis. Executive Decision, Project Runaway, Snow White and the Seven Geeks, Faith Swap, Kitchen Nightmares, and Boxcar Chef were written by Podcasting's Rich Sigfred. PG Holyfield was the titleist. Special thanks to Mer Lafferty, Paul Fisher, and Susan Z for their help. Theme song and closing credits song was provided by Magnatune and performed by Five Star Fall. Don't forget to give us feedback either on our website or by leaving us a message at 347-OUTCAST. Visit OutcastMultimedia.com for more podcasts by me, podcasting's Rich Sigfret, and many other fine folks. last three years, he has whipped chefs into shape on Hell's Kitchen. This is f***ed. You aren't a chef. You're a disgrace. Get out of my kitchen. Now, Gordon Ramsay, the most successful restaurateur on the planet, is crisscrossing America in search of the most difficult assignment of his career. This is disgusting. I am gobsmacked. Turning around America's kitchen nightmares. This week, Chef Gordon takes a look at one of the United States' most popular restaurants. I asked for one thing when I showed up, and that was for you to give me your all, yeah? That's what we're trying to do, but my hands are tied. I don't want excuses. I want you to make me a simple burger. And your french fries, they're soggy. This is a f***ing embarrassment. Well, that's the recipe corporate gave us. You're giving American food a bad name, mate. It doesn't appear you have any quality control. You wrap your burgers in plastic? Your service is dreadful! You don't have a single waiter in here? 
What about your menu? Have you thought about changing it? Uh, we can't do that either. Unbelievable. What about your decor? All these reds and yellows? I feel like a cardinal came in and shat, and that would still taste better than your food. I don't know. I feel it brings a fun element. It's mainly for the kids, you know? No. I love my children. I respect my children. I wouldn't bring them to this shit stand. Well, not everyone likes our clowns and fun. Yeah? Nice try, big girl. You need to either change or close down. What I don't understand is why you are so adamant in carrying on. This is f***ing ridiculous. The Scottish aren't even known for the hamburgers. Will Chef Gordon Ramsay be able to wake this owner? Or will he be lost in a kitchen nightmare? <laughs>